Hello guys and welcome to the MSC Performance Podcast Season 5 Episode 2. If you're watching on YouTube you might notice the hot new upgrades, uh, new camera, new microphone and more importantly a new guest permanent call guest kitty eyelash <laughs> thank you so much hi luke how are you doing today i'm very well thank you how are you i'm very well thank you super excited about this setup like we need to give credits though before we start yeah credit to um steve Fo- no credit to uh <laughs> to matthew lanter under matt lanter on instagram if you want to give him a follow um he's been here at work experience and we've been utilizing the youth and um, we've exploiting, got a, exploiting the youth, um, not in a weird way. Just <laughs> <laughs> but now we've got a new setup. Uh, we've had some cool videos, and yeah, he's done some really good stuff with the classes as and well. He's replacing me from next week in two years when he's got his level three. <laughs> so uh, thank you, Matthew. Um, so yeah, our last podcast was on how to get through dry January, um, how that's going to affect your training. This one we're going to talk uh, about recovery. Kitty, you said yes. that a few people have been asking about different recovery protocols, etc. Yeah, so in the past two weeks, uh, I had a few conversations with Barbell Club members, mainly and Metcom members as well, because um, I think, and this is, a conversation we had I think when I, I recorded my first podcast is that in this kind of population we work with uh, there's a problem of overtraining and things like that and we were just kind of having a conversation about optimizing your training and everything else around it as well so that overtraining doesn't occur yeah. um, so I find it quite difficult when people just want to do as much as they can um, they want to do the barbell club sessions three times they want to do yeah. three four met cons a yeah. week and then they like doing things outside as well whether that's rock climbing running yoga things like that and there's not enough space in the week for that yeah. um, so they found it quite hard to um, recover really so I thought this would be a great conversation to have today and help people with that yeah I think it's quite a unique um, problem working in the gyms where the problem is actually telling people to stop doing exercise um, you know for the bulk part of it you encourage your people to do a little bit more you're trying to get them to do more activity out mm-hmm. of the gym but I think because the people that tend to gravitate towards MSC and maybe also the people that listen to the podcast that mm-hmm. aren't members of MSC um tend to be really interested in training yeah. and they find themselves just adding levels and levels I think you mentioned about like the barbar club guys a lot of them haven't done much strength training in the past or yeah. maybe done a little bit all of a sudden they're adding barbar club on top of already a really tough yeah. um, s- uh, amount of work that they do yeah. with like Metcon classes or something else and it's very tough to recover from that amount of work so I guess yeah. the first thing is just to balance everything as best as you can and something has to give it at some point but I guess when we're going to like the more nuanced stuff like what are people doing or what mm-hmm. should we be doing to recover yeah. is what we're going to hopefully break down today yes fantastic do you want to kick us off uh yeah so that was one thing that I kind of wanted to bring up at the beginning um which was the fact that there is a little bit of a difference between men and men and women um in terms of recovery um and I brought a couple of papers to be honest um so there was a systematic review done quite recently actually I think it was 2021 that was talking about uh exercise-induced muscle soreness or DOMS um, and it mentioned that in different phases of the menstrual cycle um, in menstruating women um, it we recover differently 
um, and that was a significant difference. Um, now, in terms of the menstrual cycle, if we assume that a normal menstrual cycle is 28 days, we would classify the first 14 days as the follicular phase. Then we've got ovulation at 14 days. Um, and then the next 14 days is um, the luteal phase. And this paper found um, that during the... Um, so it would be the follicular phase when menstruation occurs, um, muscle damage response tends to be higher. Um, so it might be a good idea to lower the training load um, at that time of the menstrual cycle. Um, and recovery periods uh, in the, let me just double check this. Um, in the late follicular phase, which would be just before ovulation, so that's like day 10 to 4, sure. 13 of the cycle, and the mid-luteal phase, that's after ovulation, I would say day 20 um, of the cycle, but that's a good idea to push there because strength seems to be a little bit higher and recovery after cool. um, resistance training um, seems to be better. So that's an important thing. With those, uh, With that information, would you proactively program someone around that cycle or would you kind of just ask them to be like proactive and make adjustments based off how they feel so if they're coming in mm -hmm. and finding that their recovery feels poor you just give them like a, a recommendation to be flexible and maybe adjust the volume or the intensity as needed mm -hmm. or would you proactively program differently depending on the the part of the cycle that you're in mm -hmm. i would personally just make recommendations because uh, it's not just an individual matter but it also um, varies from cycle to cycle. So you can't generalize and I don't think you yeah. can make adjustments based on that or programming based yeah. on that. So it would be a case of let's pull back a little bit or let's push a little bit more at yeah. this phase and monitor it on an individual level, mm. meaning athletes are recommended to track their cycles, check um, premenstrual syndrome as well. So if there's any pain, bloating, mm. things like that. Um, and then just make adjustments from there. Great. How much of a difference would those recommendations be compared to like just the general recommendation of being flexible with your training? So like on a given day, you might fluctuate with strength 5%. Do you think it would be like, I don't know, another 5% on top of that? Or I know it's hard to answer this question, but just like... Yeah, I think that's, that's a really tough one to answer. And I'm going to come back to this and you're going to be like... <laughs> but I'm going to say it's individual. Very individual, of yeah, course. It really depends on, on that specific person. And yeah. Yeah, I guess, well, this is why women do... What do you reckon? Sorry to cut you. I've, out of everyone I train, I train a lot of women um, mm -hmm. and people that have a cycle. Mm -hmm. Very woke. Um, I have never had to make any bigger adjustments than RPE to anyone. Um, mm -hmm. so like there's people that say that like, on certain days they feel weaker certain days they feel stronger absolutely uh, from my understanding of the research like it seems to affect air a bit more than like maximal strength mm -hmm. so like the people that I typically work with that don't have that much of an effect mm -hmm. outside of like my normal recommendations where if I give someone a weight to hit it might be um you know, two to five percent difference mm -hmm. between the low and the higher end. I've never really had to program much outside of that, yeah, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. So it seems that for the populations I work with, like I'll have people that you know sometimes go underneath that weight, but there's mm -hmm. never anyone that's like these two weeks. All I always feel terrible and I need mm -hmm, a ten percent mm -hmm. drop. Yeah, um, yeah. So outside of my usual flexibility, I've never had to make much mm -hmm. more adjustment than that. And I also think that it also also depends on the fact of whether someone's a more like competitive athlete or someone who's just recreationally trains oh, yeah. like two or three times a week because um, when we're talking about recreational athletes it's more so participation in sports so whether I'm going to go or not yeah. whereas in competitive sports it's more like 
the percentages and, and RPEs and things like that. Big so. And a recent example, actually, I was training with someone that was really struggling. Uh, mm-hmm. They were saying they were feeling bloated, the lower back was a little bit mm-hmm. sore. And if they weren't a competitive lifter, you might think, actually, just just go home today and try mm-hmm. it, tr- come, mm-hmm. come back another day, maybe. Um, but they pushed on and actually had a really good session, but mm-hmm. probably uncomfortable doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that's going to do anything long term, but yeah, like it's not fun doing that actual session. Yeah. So you, if, you, if it didn't matter that much, you, you could go home and just come back another day. But because they were a competitive athlete, they wanted to keep to their structure. Yeah. They got through the session and, and actually did okay. But mm-hmm. do you have to be doing that if you're just recreational? I don't no. know. So, no. yeah. Yeah. There you go then. So straight away, differences between the men and the women. Yeah. But on that note, though, there's a lot of stuff that still, um, you know, is for both uh, populations. So I guess if you get stuck in with the uh, the low hanging fruit, the yeah. the main things that people should be focusing on. I guess we're going to break it down into like the overall what you can be doing to optimize your recovery. Uh, we're going to talk about things on like a, an annual scale or like a macro scale. So if you've got a competition, what you could be doing at the start of that prep what you could be doing towards the end of that prep uh, we're going to look at the meso cycle and looking at different weeks where you might be having uh, deloads intro weeks when to utilize those uh, we're going to look at the actual individual week the micro cycle so your high days your low days and talk about like using your recovery days in there um, and then also what you can be doing in the session to improve your recovery and then some other little things that you mm-hmm. can do if you really want to get the last like one or two percent out of stuff so should we kick off with the the big the big two or the big yes, three? Yes, please. I'll let you leave oh, Fantastic. It. Brilliant. <laughs> uh, I think if you ask anyone, and people already know this, but the main two I would say is sleep and uh, nutrition. Yes. Um, yeah. For anyone that's athletic performance, there's a million studies out there. We've got a couple in front of us now um, mm-hmm. looking at the difference in performance when you have good sleep versus bad sleep. Yeah. But then also there's what's quite interesting is like, it's like, is your good sleep your baseline? Um, and bad sleep is just bad sleep or do you like optimize it when you're getting good sleep there's mm-hmm. lots of studies looking at good sleep plus like additional top-up sleep mm-hmm. and they seem to have either like a, a no benefit or like a small benefit as well so it just mm. seems that like getting good sleep and good quality sleeping yeah. is massive for your performance but just avoiding bad sleep is is mm-hmm. huge and just yeah. trying to optimize your sleep as best as you can if you're an athlete is huge yeah i've got just an interesting statistic here that um sleeping five hours one night um, may reduce strength uh, performance by approximately three percent now on if you just think about it as a one of occasion you're just like okay whatever it's not not a big deal um but sleeping five hours per night for a week straight or consistently is going to considerably um yeah yeah affect I remember I, I think a lot about with the sleep is that if you have one bad night's sleep you can get through and you look at the studies where they have like the intention to give them a bad mm-hmm. sleep or it's quite yeah. a weird study I'd hate to get part but like they'll yeah. wake you up in the night or they'll put music on or something so yeah. you intentionally have a bad night's sleep but then like you can do things to get through that so you could have a little nap you like a nap didn't you I actually cannot nap okay I love a nap so yeah, yeah yeah if I've had a bad sleep I'll have a nap uh, so if you've had a bad sleep you could have a nap or you could have like extra caffeine and then you can probably get through that session mm-hmm. yeah. but when it becomes a chronic issue and it's like like you said repeatability yeah. of getting like a week or two weeks of bad sleeping then you really start to see drops in your performance yeah I actually um, just when you said that it's a horrible study I read into it and there's because of that reason there's not a lot of studies out there no, because it's tough, isn't it? people just don't want to be a part of it and I completely understand yeah. like people who know me like from the gym floor and whatever they know that I'm so religiously like getting my eight to ten hours yeah. of sleep um but yeah so yeah so if you have one bad night's sleep 
you could probably gonna have a very small effect but you probably get through it if you do like the things to top it up but it's the sleep deprivation over a certain amount of times where you start to see a few different things happen you see yeah you um your performance in the mm-hmm. gym both like force output but also skill as well is massive oh, you yeah. see a massive drop I'm so in like glad you brought that up mm. um and sorry to cut you off, no, there, no. but that's also something I read into that it's literally not really gonna affect your one RM of your, you know, bicep curl. Yeah. Um, but for lifts like a, a squat, a bench press, and especially if we're going into like Olympic weightlifting, where it's even more skills goes yeah. into that. Um, or if we're we're thinking about um, competitive athletes and, for example, football players, fine skills of exactly, passing a ball, exactly. yeah, exactly, yeah, it's going to be a massive, massive thing. Yeah. So sleep is huge. So yeah, we're looking for. I mean, the general recommendation is your six to eight hours, isn't mm-hmm. it? If you're an athlete, I'd probably push it up to nine to ten yeah. if you can. Um, and like you said, like that's going to the, the sleep is the biggest one. Like yeah. I said, force output, skill. Uh, they're the big two that they're the big ones that you can really like see a good benefit to of getting your sleep. Yeah. I guess then the second one would be nutrition. I wanted to ask the question. I want to go for it. Go for it. Yeah. No. 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 That's fine. <laughs> Do yeah. you have a nighttime routine? Sleep. Let's talk about sleep hygiene just a little bit as well. Yeah. Do you know why? Um, one rule that I really like, and it's actually the the person who's the worst at like looking after themselves that recommended the rule uh the 10 3 2 1 rule what is that? Uh, so 10 3 2 1 is 10 hours you don't have caffeine before bed uh-huh. um it's three hours i think it's eating mm-hmm. uh two hours drinking and then the last hour no no screens ah. and i try and stick to that as best as i can um yeah I, I do have a bit of a sleep routine i also have like the mask we yeah. spoke about this the other day yeah. yeah i live in yeah the city center so like there's lights and stuff yeah. so i have the mask um i try and put my phone away the last hour last yeah. night i went on it before bed and i had a bad night's sleep mm-hmm. so I, I do really try and put my phone away yeah. the last hour I try not to eat or drink too late mm-hmm. i'm a, a gentleman of an older age now so if i drink uh, <laughs> if i drink t- if i drink too close to going to bed then i'm up in the night getting up yeah, um, yeah. so yeah i try to cut back on the food and drink like a couple of hours uh-huh. before screens an hour before and then when i'm sleeping i love the room to be freezing yeah. uh, i have the window open and then i'll close yeah. the window so i'm divering uh, put the mask on <laughs> wrapping and then I'm, I'm good to go so okay. i'll say that's my Sounds routine good. but people have these really like diligent things uh what's yours yeah mine is temperature 100 yeah. percent sleep mask definitely however um i recently bought this um sunrise alarm clock i don't know if you have that or you use it it's a game changer i'm telling you it's so 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 good so what it does if you if you're listening and you're not familiar with it um it basically wakes you up a half an hour before you set your alarm to and it wakes you up with a really gentle light so it comes on and then it just keeps coming on for the half an hour um, and at the end of the half an hour, it makes a sound as well. Now you can change that um, into, you know, birds singing or goats making sounds. Goats? <laughs> goats, That's actually. a bit different, but yeah, whatever I know, works. I don't, who, <laughs> yeah. I don't know who would use that. Um, but yeah, and it's just, it, it makes it so much easier, especially during these winter months um, yeah. to get out of bed because it's still so dark when you wake up. So yeah, I love, 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 love that going slightly off piece but um that huberman he always recommends like getting some natural lighting as soon as you're waking up and i guess yeah, it's like before 10 o'clock yeah, normally yeah, yeah, yeah yeah interesting okay, so we, we should uh, do a whole podcast on sleep <laughs> absolutely um so you got your sleep yeah uh, we know that's massively important now uh, nutrition mm-hmm. again like you know one bad day of nutrition is not going to make or break anything but again like 
you're not eating sufficient protein, which we think is the big one, um, mm-hmm. but also like if you're an athlete, no, sufficient carbohydrates and fats, like eating good quality sources yeah. of your carbohydrates and fats. It's funny because the fats is essential, the protein is essential, carbohydrates isn't essential mm-hmm. to survive, mm-hmm. um, but they're obviously really important from like a, a benefit of recovery, yeah. sporting performance. Yeah, exactly. So do you want to go in a little bit into one of the three, which is your favourite? What do you want to talk about? Mm-hmm. I would. I really like to emphasize protein because yeah. that's uh, probably what the majority of the population doesn't get enough of. Big time. Um, so, I think we have gone on and on about the importance of protein on this podcast <laughs> in previous episodes and why you need that from obviously a muscle building perspective, from recovery perspective. Um, I like to recommend 1.8 grams or 2 grams of protein per yep. uh, kilogram of body weight for people to aim for. Um, that should be sufficient. And we could get into like meal timings and yeah. things like that. Um, but I like to just hit the main thing, is which is the amount. Yeah. Um, I, I, I actually get slightly lower than you, but for myself, I go uh-huh. higher. Um, mm-hmm. But I think 1.6. Like yeah. if you if you're like kind of recreational, you could the, yeah. the, the absolute lowest I would say is 1.2 yeah. uh, grams per kilo that you weigh. Mm-hmm. But like yeah, realistically to optimize it, 1.6 to 2.2, yeah. potentially a little bit more if you lean, potentially more if you like training yeah. a lot. Um, but yeah, like like you said, this is really important in terms of like maximizing you know your recovery, your muscle protein synthesis. Yeah. It's huge. You need to get sufficient protein in to really yeah. aid the recovery. And if you do have your your lower protein, you probably notice session to session like an increase mm-hmm. in DOMS, uh, just over soreness and just a lack of ability to produce like maximal force so like getting your protein in is a big one like kitty said like the main thing is hitting the target i think after there then you can start to look at like what's more optimal potentially breaking it down to like Mm. three to five servings versus one or two but i think for most people like they're not eating 160 grams of protein in one or two you're eating it in in three meals (laughs) um it's probably more ideal but yeah so eating sufficient protein um are you massive in terms of like getting um uh, protein serving post training um to be honest with you what i really like to do is just um distribute the amount of protein you consume in a day into equal amounts yeah so if you're having five meals i don't know then have the same amount of protein i think yeah. that's probably my next building block okay if that makes sense yep. instead of kind of timing okay. and whatnot um i think that's a little bit more nuanced again sure um but obviously, the the kind of fitness industry make you makes you believe with the protein bars, protein shakes, and whatnot that that's super super. You're essential. sponsored by Optimum Nutrition. <laughs> you should be saying gold standard way. Yeah, I should give a shout out to them. <laughs> I should actually have like a a drink in here. You should if, get the, the yeah, get the get the um, big. Bottle, oh yeah, no, I'm not going to make that happen. But yeah, yeah. Um, what do you think? Would you recommend? I, I recommend it post workout purely from like you look at like you got to get 1.6 grams. If you weigh 80 kilos, that's like 100 and let's say 30 grams of mm-hmm. protein. And if you're having it over four meals, uh, like you got your breakfast, lunch, dinner, then the other ones, the obvious one is post workout. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think it's just an easy way to top it up. Yeah. I don't recommend necessarily a shake, but I mean, most people aren't going to bring chicken to the gym. They're going to just have a shake. Convenient. It's just convenient. Yeah. Uh, so I think, yeah, if you're breaking it into three or four meals, I'd probably say yeah. have a shake post workout. 
is it going to max? I think it's probably better than not to, in terms of muscle protein yeah. synthesis. I don't think it matters too much if you're not training like twice a day or mm-hmm. every day. Because mm-hmm. um, the other recommendation would then be to have some carbohydrates post workout yeah. as well, in terms of like recovering from there. But I think that matters more again if you're doing two a days or yeah, training super close to it. Um, so moving into the carbohydrates, then like. What, do you have any general recommendations for people from a recovery perspective for carbs? Uh, and what are the benefits of having carbs? Yeah, I guess? I'm actually, I, I haven't really thought about that in terms of a recovery perspective. Um, I'll take it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if you, um, yeah, I think carbohydrates are super, if you're doing any kind of, you know, high intensity effort or even like long-term stuff as well like you know having sufficient amount of of carbohydrates available for like fast energy if you're doing like your strength sets or you're sprinting etc but then also for like you just your glycogen levels in Mm -hmm, general mm -hmm. um carbohydrates is super important from that so i think from like a a long-term perspective having your carbohydrate level fairly high just to to maximize the amount of glycogen that you're storing uh, but also the amount that you've got available for in the session is probably a good thing to do again like from there like eating a sufficient amount it's hard to give a recommendation yeah. like maybe like i don't know three it's, to five grams per kilo yeah, uh, really depending sure. on what it, it, it matters really? so much depending on what sport you do in the amount of activity etc yeah. but eating sufficient carbohydrates so that you've got enough glycogen to get through your training sessions yeah. and then enough ava- en- available energy for this training that you're currently doing yeah. is, is really important so have jelly beans before you're lifting that's what i do like, <laughs> like luke everyone laughs, <laughs> But, um, you know, it's enjoyable as well. Yeah. I love it. It's my time for some, uh, you know, like for the most of the part when you're having your carbohydrates, it's also a good chance to get like, all like micronutrients in from your vegetables, your fruits, yeah. etc. But then when you're looking for like fast available energy, it's going yeah. to be sweet. I have cereal after my I was going to say, I have cereal. It's my other one. Yeah. Chocolate hoops. I've just bought from yes. Lidl. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, or chocolate, the Rice Krispies. Cocoa Pops. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I alternate yeah. between Cocoa Pops and Hoops. <laughs> I love it. It always makes me laugh as well because I'm like, I get the same comment every time I'll be eating my jelly beans but why are you eating jelly beans you're meant to be a strength coach I'm like shut up man I've got three sets of three I need my uh, 50 grams of sweets yeah um but yeah so I agree yeah and then the last one I guess would be like getting good quality fats in as mm-hmm. well yeah. um, that's more from like a, a hormone uh, regulation yeah uh, which we won't get too much into but yeah again it's essential for for well-being it's essential for your performance mm-hmm. um you need to eat your protein first, but then you need to make sure if if you're trying to optimize things, I think avoiding the extremes of high carb, incredibly low mm-hmm, fat, or mm-hmm. zero carb, incredibly high yeah. fat. As long as you're getting a combination between the two and you're getting good quality sources, and use it as a chance, like to get good quality foods in as well. Yeah. That's going to really help your recovery. Yeah, so 100%. we've just said about cocoa pops, but we're not getting our whole day's carbs from there. <laughs> you want to be getting like good vitamins, good minerals in. Um, you know, your carbohydrates is a great chance to get that. You probably want to get some like good essential fatty acids, which is going to be mm-hmm. good for like your overall joint health it's going yeah. to be good for you know aiding the recovery as well so i think it's important to get a good combination of those and yeah. if you're seeing those and like minimizing the amount of shit food that you're getting into your diet if yeah. you're trying to optimize things like minimize the amount of crap you're getting into your system yeah and really try and get good quality foods and from good food sources is probably the best thing you can do yeah i wanted to jump on there um when you said um good quality fats um etc um because i looked into and maybe we can move a little bit towards supplementation and whatnot um i looked into using fish oil yeah um so there have been quite a lot of studies um looking into its effect and um again muscle recovery doms things like that um now the research out there there's just a lot of uh, very 
variability variability, variability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. thank you um in terms of like the amount they supplemented with in the intervention and the different pers- the exercise protocol performance measures things like that um but it seems that omega-3 fatty acids uh, may have a positive impact on recovery um so a lot of the research recommends one to three grams per day um especially if you're not really eating any fatty yeah. fishes Fishes, fish. Any fat fish. Any fat Big fat fish. fish. <laughs> did, he, did he say into why they think that would help? Um, they broke down like mechanisms and whatnot, yeah. um, which I would not be able to recite, to be honest okay. with you. No, that's fine. We'll, we'll link it in below. It's just quite interesting, isn't it? Because when, when, yeah. when you think about optimizing recovery you don't think of the fish oils most yeah. people recommend the fish oils from like a, like i said a joint health perspective yeah this was completely uh, new to me it's interesting well. yeah yeah so i think yeah the big ones you sleep um getting your protein level they're the big two and then you know good quality carbohydrates and fats if you want to take it up another level we're talking like the small percentages there aren't mm-hmm. we the fish oils but yeah. you know if you're trying to optimize things and you're still going to be recovery it's yeah. definitely not going to harm they're also not expensive yeah and they're available yeah. everywhere you can get them at bloody asda so you haven't got yeah. to go like a specialty and spend a lot yeah. of money on it um so yeah when you're looking at recovery strategies i think you want to look at something that's efficient quick not too expensive things like that and it's not going to harm yeah exactly and i think like you want to go well researched um and if you know the most well researched ones are like your protein your creatine Mm -hmm. which Oh. <laughs> um, but also uh, yeah your fish oils is like it's quite new to it but like there's no harm in taking mm-hmm. them and they're relatively cheap it's not like oh it might be beneficial but it's 50 pounds yeah. it's a very small uh, amount of money I think yeah, yeah, so. yeah do you want to jump on to talking about creatine a little bit go for it yeah um, so uh, in terms of like amount I would probably recommend three to five grams per day um, from a recovery perspective um and that's just creatine is actually one not one of my favorite but probably my favorite supplement that's Mm -hmm. most well researched like it's so solid um so it just it it speeds up recovery time between bouts of intense exercise um so am i right in saying as well that it seems to be um like intraset as well be able to push a little bit harder during that set as well yes 100% which isn't recovery but like it's yeah gonna aid the training yeah um 100% lost force production between the sets definitely the interesting thing I don't want to turn it into a creatine podcast but (laughs) like when you start to go down it like um the people recommend taking it just for like general health as well yeah. it's huge for like brain health and yeah. i think um i might be correcting uh, for dementia people, people yeah, with yeah, dementia. yeah 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 um yeah i get That's my right. i got my nan on it you did no it's too late rest in peace no she's not dead she's just got dementia sorry, <laughs> <laughs> sorry I shouldn't be um but yeah like in terms of like just for general health and again it's super yeah. cheap um yeah you can get creatine in your diet but i think everyone or the majority of people who should be taking. It's funny, I yeah. love the idea of that, and I never, I, I don't feel any better on taking creatine vinyl, but I still, I still go through periods of taking it because it's super cheap. Yeah. And I do know all the, the research behind yeah. it, but I just, I don't feel anything from it. I ta- Same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love creatine. I love creatine, I just don't really know. I tell her, I always like. tell us that when I was like 16, 17, I was just getting into training, and I used to buy like the, uh, the bodybuilding books. Yeah. And it was always creatine, creatine. I didn't really understand what creatine did. Mm-hmm. And I used to go swimming at the time, and I remember like I was a decent swimmer when I was a kid, and I was getting back into it, and I could only swim like two lengths without getting out of breath. Mm-hmm. I took one scoop of creatine, and I went swimming, and I did 50 lengths without stopping. And I was like, this shit is the bomb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's this 
psychological component to it. I was going to say. Well. <laughs> so this is insane. Um, yeah. So yeah, take your creatine. Cool. Um, so yeah, they're the they're the big ones that everyone talks about when you're talking about your recovery. So then, if we move into like your actual training and what what you can be doing to be proactive in terms of like managing your recovery, managing your training. Um, if we start a bit with like um, on a global scale, your macro cycle, and then we'll go down into like the weeks and the months. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with your macro, especially if you're a competitive athlete, if you're just general population, you probably don't need to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you're a competitive athlete, having a period of time after like your biggest competition, it's probably a good idea to have like a recovery mm-hmm. period. And that doesn't mean like doing absolutely nothing, but it will be like reduced training volumes, mm-hmm. reduced intensity, with just the overall goal of just facilitating mm-hmm. recovery. Um, for a lot of people, your general populations, like you don't really need this because it's the same with deload weeks. Your life will just deload for you. Like mm-hmm. you'll go on holiday for two weeks. Yeah. That's your recovery. Or Christmas comes, you have two weeks off. Yeah. That's your recovery. You don't need to be like, okay, I need to recover from my hard month of training. Yeah. I'm having two weeks off. But if you're a competitive athlete and you're working towards like a big goal, your intensity spiking up, or if it's like a marathon running, your volume spiking up, yeah. it's probably a good idea after there to have like as much time as needed to, to fully recover you know reduce the aches and pains also just like get yourself back to a point where you're able to perform well mm-hmm. having like two to four weeks let's say one to four weeks after a com- competition to yeah, recover is probably a good ask. idea mm-hmm. so whenever you're prescribing this um to athletes uh what do you what is that you exactly not exactly but what do you change in their programming does that mean that there are specific recovery days where you would just be i don't know you're doing something cardiovascular or sure. foam rolling or is it reflect does it reflect in the training i think if you're doing like a recovery training block you need to still be doing the training that resembles what your mm-hmm. sport is so if you're marathon running um and you've just done a hard marathon mm-hmm. you're not going to have three weeks of just foam rolling mm-hmm. you'll probably be doing some very very low intensity light running but i think like when you look at the difference between the training and recovery the 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 recovery the aim is just to get yourself back to a a a position where you're able to perform Mm -hmm. as well as you want to while if you're training hard like it's it's working towards that goal already so it's just differentiating between the two the obviously the most people i work with are powerlifters if you've done your biggest competition i normally recommend having a a week off training Mm -hmm. uh, or a week off structured training i should Mm -hmm. say uh, mm-hmm. So if they compete on the Saturday or Sunday, they'll probably take off till Wednesday, mm-hmm. um, and then from there it might be like one or two very light sessions. Mm-hmm. I'll normally give, I'll normally say do whatever you want to do, have a bit of yeah. freedom, but don't go above seventy percent of your yeah. one rep max. That's uh, mentally as well, isn't it? The mental break is probably more important than the physical yeah. break at that point because mm-hmm. you're following structure and it's quite a monotonous thing. And it's the same with like running miles and miles. Yeah. It gets monotonous, man. You need that little bit of a break. So if you're like doing a marathon running, you might go to the gym still because you want to, you know, it's good for you. You feel mm-hmm. good for doing it, but you might do some work on the bike or you might do some rowing just something that's a little bit different um and not pushing it too hard like i guess if you're doing running your recovery days are like um you're still able to talk you're not Mm -hmm. you're not battering yourself you're still able to like go and do whatever you want after you could still hold a conversation just super low intensity lower volume training if you look at so sorry you carry on (laughs) you look at if you look at like um your old school um like linear periodization where it mm-hmm. goes from like your sets of 20 eventually working to like your sets mm-hmm. of one i think the sets of 20 like is probably they had that in just as the recovery stuff uh-huh. like it's like 50 percent for 20 reps like yeah. it's not going to do anything for no. you one rep max strength but it's probably from a recovery allowing mm-hmm. your joints and tendons to recover yeah. allowing your your body to to get back to a point where you're able mm-hmm. to optimally perform that's probably why it was in yeah um yeah. so i think like yeah when you've got your training if you're an athlete just having 
look like uh, with the rugby, like once you've done your season, that first couple of weeks they're doing very, very low yeah, work. Yeah. If they're going to the gym, it's it's to recover. It's not yeah, to try and push yeah. on. Yeah, and uh, we had this conversation yesterday on Barbell Club. Yeah. Slightly, where it's good to do different type of movements as well because you just said that you love doing basketball uh, yes. and it's kind of just a fun element but you're still moving yeah it's not like strenuous from a physical perspective yeah um so again it's just adding that variation to yeah training. big time yeah so like if i've done a powerlifting camp like the next week i might do one or two gym sessions instead of four mm-hmm. but i'd probably still continue doing the basketball because mm-hmm. it's very light it just gets like i said gets me moving gets yeah. me some sunlight it's a good thing to do yeah um so yeah having periods of there then if we go a little bit closer into it you've got your your actual blocks of training so like mm-hmm. it might let's say the average block is four to six weeks you've got your intro weeks and your deloads um mm-hmm. and we utilize these a lot um again if you're not really competitive or you're not like fully regular in the routine of the gym i don't think you need to deload yeah. um because again life will deload you you'll have a week where you're at work and you won't be able to get to the gym or you might only get there once or twice rather than three or four times and that's almost your deload that's your yeah. dropping your frequency your volume and intensity that's mm-hmm. enough of a drop to probably allow you to start training again mm-hmm. but if you're in the gym like every single day or like four times a week yeah. or whatever working towards your sport having periods of training where you're deloading and having an intro week mm-hmm. is probably a good idea mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Um, how frequently would you do this um, in terms of like a programming perspective? Is it three weeks on, one week Sure. Off, I think it varies on the person. So we like to use like a, a time to peak model, mm-hmm. which is like um, if you're working towards something, like we use the Barber Club for an example. Yeah. On the fourth week, they're walking towards like a heavy triple. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be for some people that like, they'll do like an easy week one. Mm-hmm. Then we week two will be a little bit heavier week three will be a little bit heavier week four will be a little bit heavier maybe they won't be able to go much heavier mm-hmm. into week five mm-hmm. they've kind of reached that peak of that training block mm-hmm. you'd have a little bit of a, uh, a deload you might hold the intensity and drop the volume down there's different ways to deload but one way there's some kind of a reduction in there to facilitate mm-hmm. the recovery because mm-hmm. um, at that point your fatigue's pretty high your performance is high mm-hmm. you want to maintain the performance while drop back on the fatigue yeah. so that's when you drop mainly the training volume but also maybe the intensity my general recommendation is is dropping the volume by like 30 to 50 percent uh-huh. so if you're doing if you're doing like four sets, you drop it down to three sets or mm-hmm, you might drop mm-hmm. it to two sets, but mm-hmm. you're dropping the intensity from, let's say, 100 kilo for five, you might drop it down to, to 90 for, for four. Mm-hmm, so it's mm-hmm. a very easy set compared to what you was doing, but it's only 10% down in yeah, the intensity. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think it depends like over your training, if you're keeping good notes, you should be mm-hmm. able to re- realize like when your peak performance is. Mm-hmm. Um, so you might train, it might take you six weeks, it might take you three weeks, mm-hmm. it might take you five. Mm-hmm. You'd find that individual response to that. And then once you reach that, you'd probably deload that week mm-hmm. and then you can use that then to make up your timeline um yeah and it, i guess it also depends when we're talking about like competitive athletes yeah depending on their sports and seasons and whatnot yeah. um it depends on that as well not just exactly no. this is this that was literally like powerlifters or weightlifters yeah. would have that time to be yeah. if you're doing rugby then again your deload or team sport sorry mm-hmm. um your deload is just going to happen when wherever the yeah. game's for and it's a bit less out of your control yeah um you'd be taking deal when you haven't got a training game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like if you're just talking about in the gym and you're enjoying your strength training, you probably want to take a deal once you've reached that high level performance. Yeah. take a little bit of a reduction and then go back in mm-hmm. and that's when you use the intro week as well yeah. I think the intro week similar to a deload where it's like lower intensity but it's more kind of getting yourself set up for the for the um 
progression of the next training mm-hmm. block. Mm-hmm. The deload's just fully to recover from the block. The intro is to kind of set yourself up for yeah. success in the next training block. So if yeah. you've got new movements or you might be moving from sets of five to sets of eight, mm-hmm. you want to just get kind of used to that. Mm-hmm. And then you can use that then to, to step in style into your progression yeah. weeks. Mm-hmm. So you should definitely be utilizing them if you're a competitive person. Yeah. Or if you're really diligent with your strength training, mm-hmm. like I said, if you're general population and life's tough, you've got family, you'll mm-hmm. just naturally have deloads mm-hmm. as and when life throws them at you. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of the meso. Yeah. And then uh, the last two, the the microcycle. Do you want to talk about like your higher and lower days? Uh, yeah. So what we were kind of talking about is that it's a good idea to um, vary your training in terms of having a little bit higher intensity or higher volume session and then move into a lower one um, just so you have a little bit of um, recovery or or actually if you are splitting your training into an upper or a lower yeah. um, split again that's a good idea to do upper lower upper lower so you've got a little bit of more um, recovery there Um what do you think? I think it's yeah super important. Um, eat, yeah, regardless of what your your sport is, you'll have days which are more of a priority than others, and you kind of want to set your training cycle up in a way that prioritizes the days that are the priority. Uh-huh. So if you're a runner, you might have like your biggest run on a Saturday because you've got a bit more time yeah. to do it. I'm probably saying then that the session before is going to be a little bit shorter. Yeah. It's going to be a, be a bit lower intensity. So that would be your low day yeah. to then set yourself up for a really good high day on the weekend. Mm-hmm. You don't want to have easy, easy, high, high. You yeah. don't want it low, low, high, high. That's mm-hmm. going to set you up for a bad second high session. Yeah. Ideally, depending on what the rest of your week looks like, you probably want to go low, high, low, high mm-hmm. um, or, or whatever it falls. You might have a medium day in there. But I think just alternating between higher stress days and lower yeah. stress days um, is probably a good thing to do if, yeah. if your schedule allows it. And it's yeah. the same with, like you said, your upper body and your lower body. Mm-hmm. For most people, the lower body days are going to be more strenuous than yes. the upper body days. So you'd probably go upper, lower, upper, lower. Mm-hmm. It's common sense rather than going upper, upper, lower, lower. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, just trying to set your training cycle up in a way that allows the most important day to be the most mm-hmm. important day and then use your other days kind of to proactively work around it, work around it mm-hmm. as best as you can and then the other one is uh, is your recovery days yeah you love a recovery day <laughs> bit of, bit of yoga. i've been having recovery days for the past two weeks your your life is a recovery day <laughs> i know at the moment you sleep in 12 hours you've got your little lamp uh, <laughs> life lamp. is I've good i've got my lavender oil <laughs> oh what a treat um, i know my sleep tea I've, i'm re- yeah, I'm that person. That's I'm that lovely. Person. That's lovely. Um, what like yeah. I, one of my little pet peeves is people with their recovery days um, saying, "What can I do on my recovery day uh-huh. to further improve my recovery?" And yeah. the answer normally is to to not do anything. Yeah, it's just to relax, mm-hmm. do whatever you enjoy, Want. have a nice relaxing walk in the countryside. Yeah. Play the Xbox if you want to play the Xbox. Yeah. Watch TV. If you want to go for a little walk or if you enjoy going to yoga, fantastic. But I wouldn't be thinking, oh, it's my recovery day. What do I need to do? Yeah, I would just do, do maximize what, it. How do I maximize my recovery? Because the answer for a lot of people that are questioning, how am I recovering enough, mm-hmm. are already doing too much. Mm-hmm. And if you're already doing too much, then you've got your day to recover. If you add more stuff into there, you, yeah. you're not really optimizing <laughs> the recovery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, if you're talking about your low high days, say you train six days a week, mm-hmm. and that's when you're starting to try and thinking about your recovery. Mm-hmm. You're going low high, low high, low high, recovery day. Yeah. You don't want your recovery day to be another low day, and then it starts to bleed into next week, and yeah. you still feel pretty bad. So, 
ideally you're just trying to minimize what you do on that day like i said if you enjoy yoga go to yoga mm-hmm. but don't go to yoga if you don't enjoy it like yeah. go to it because yeah. you want to go not because you think it's good for your recovery yeah, yeah. Don't, don't go, go to s- a session that's like super hard like you're holding postures for so long and yeah, whatnot yeah, yeah. like yeah, it's, yeah. again defeats the purpose yeah. of it it's like swim if you want to go for a swim mm-hmm. a lot of people love going swimming for their yeah. recovery day fantastic don't go and race someone next to <laughs> yeah. or, or don't go swimming if you fucking hate swimming if you hate swimming <laughs> don't go swimming go swimming because you want to go swimming yeah yeah um, exactly exactly what are your uh what are your favorite recovery protocols kissy what do you um, like doing? i like what we've just uh spoken about um i do have some people recommending you know getting a massage foam rolling things like that i see you doing that as well using i don't know if you use foam roller for your recovery days um a little bit of mobility yeah um i like think doing things like that just so you're still like moving and it facilitates recovery maybe slightly better but I think, yeah, when I said, like, don't do anything, I think sitting on the sofa all day, when you come back to your next training cycle day, you're not going to feel that good. So a little bit of movement (laughs) is probably a good idea. I guess just not overdoing it for the Mm -hmm. sake of overdoing it is is a good recommendation. But, yeah, my my recovery day, I have a Tuesday before my big Wednesday session. Mm -hmm. I'm in the gym. I'm doing some light farm rolling, some very, very light cardio, Mm -hmm. um, and then just some general movement, some, like, rotational stuff. And that complements the sessions nicely, but... There's nothing like I'm hardly breaking a sweat. My mm-hmm, heart rate stays mm-hmm, the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think like yeah, just keep recovery the focus rather than just adding yeah. extra work into your recovery day because you feel like you probably should do something. Yeah, yeah. And I wanted to bring in one thing over here because there's quite a lot of research out there about cold and hot water yes. immersion and things like that. Um, and there was a recent research. I think it was like 2022 um, about hot water immersion and having hot baths because there was quite a lot of research out there about cold and yes. you you hear that a lot that you know you have to go to an ice bath or whatever um, just to facilitate recovery or whatever. But actually, um, they found it that um, the cold water it it doesn't have a beneficial effect on it especially long term so if you do it consistently week over week um it can have a negative effect on muscle hypertrophy um it it blunts the um um, yeah i forgot the word yes but it 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 blunts (laughs) information information process yes it blunts information because you see it thank you very much just needed a second (laughs) to gather my thoughts uh you see a lot of people doing like the ice bath like pulse session and i I quite like Mm -hmm. it if you've got something straight away like if you're in a in a game if mm-hmm. you're a soccer player and you've hurt your knee you ice your knee and you get back into it it allows you then to get back into the training yeah. game but if you're doing that continually over the long term like you said it's going to blunt the the, the, the um, I forgot the word again. inflammation <laughs> inflammation process <laughs> which long term is going to blunt the muscle hypertrophy which is probably yeah. one of the leading things for performance yeah so I yeah. think it should be used uh, fairly sparingly yeah that said again like it's you see a lot of people now buying like the, the ice baths I know I know I love it I do when I when I bought, I was talking to Mark yesterday. When I buy a house, I'm having a sauna outside. Oh yeah, and okay. uh, I would quite like the the ice plunge bath. Yeah, I mean well, alternating heat and, yeah, and yeah, yeah. cold is a good idea. One of my uh, favorite dates, sorry, one of my favorite dates. I went to Copenhagen. I went to a place Max recommended actually, Hartman, yeah. uh, called Copenhot, and okay. it's a sort like it's right on the the sea. The uh, what's the sea in Copenhagen? Is it the North Sea? Maybe. Anyways, it's fucking freezing. Whichever yeah. one it was, you went in like the hot tub. You go in the sauna, and then you dive straight into the sea. Oh, that's so and cool. it was it was 
spectacular. It was amazing. I felt fantastic after yeah, it. I was doing bodyweight squats in the sauna. My legs felt great, but it was just great fun. Yeah. Um, I felt great for it. Yeah, um, that was, I think it was, was it not last year, but the year before I went to St. George's Park. Have you ever been there? I haven't, no. Um, it's, it's a really good facility. Where is it? Uh, I'm not 100% sure. Okay. I'm not, not familiar with the area <laughs> still right. after five years yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but yeah we went there um it was like a university trip or Got whatever you, okay. uh and we done we done some like gym-based sessions and field-based sessions and whatnot with the snc coaches there um and they have this facility where they have a pool um just a regular one for swimming and whatever they have uh and then they have a cold one, and then they have one where there's a treadmill in the water as yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Um, for recovery. So we've done a little bit of like hot and cold immersion and stuff like nice. that. So it's it's quite nice yeah. um, for recovery. Um, but the recent research that I was actually bringing up, um, it was saying that 15 minutes of uh, hot water immersion, so having a hot bath, that can um, facilitate recovery a little bit better. Um, however, I have to note that it's 60 minutes following your training. So, for example, if you have a hard session in the morning and you have a hot bath and the you're evening... You're not getting the benefit. That yeah, you're, you're not getting the benefit at all. Um, so that's just an impo- important one to note. Um, but it's also very individual again. So yeah. you're not going to cause any damage if you try it. Um but it might it might be beneficial these things like if you like, I love having a bath yeah like after a heavy Me session too. I'll go and have a bath so if, if you like having baths have a bath <laughs> yeah, yeah don't, again don't force yourself to have a bath if you don't yeah, like having baths yeah same principle yeah, again yeah exactly um, awesome I think that covers pretty much everything yeah. I guess the last one I wanted to talk about is just like actually in the session uh, one thing I see a lot is people just not having long enough rest between the sets yes uh, you know powerlifters are known for having too long yeah. uh, for the ballpark but I had a, a client in the week uh, doing descending sets so going lighter mm-hmm each set and it went from like 105 for 6 to 100 for 6 to then he had to drop to 90 for Mm 6 and there's no way he should have had to drop 15% Mm -hmm, for his first mm -hmm, set mm -hmm. and I think he's just not resting long enough Um, so I think like just think about what your goal is and then rest accordingly Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, a lot of the research that we look at is uh, like coming away from like actually timing your rest and going off like mm-hmm. a needs basis mm-hmm. um, so like when you first when you're warming up you don't need that long rest you know mm-hmm. you just yeah, load yeah. the bar you go but then once you've done your heavier set you probably need like a fairly decent amount of rest mm-hmm. if you're trying to maximise like your recovery for your next set to be just as mm-hmm. heavy and then as you're getting tired your rest periods are probably going to get a little bit longer as mm-hmm. the fatigue starts to ramp mm-hmm. up and then when you're trying to prioritise maximising the performance mm-hmm. Sorry, when you're saying fairly amount of rest, what are we talking about? So I think if you're doing if you're doing hard hard strength training, Mm. I think north of five minutes rest is needed. Mm -hmm. If you're lifting decent weights. Mm-hmm. Um, I would I time my rests a lot with the velocity track and it's like six mm-hmm. or seven minutes mm-hmm. um, okay. you know you've got to find the balance between like you know you've got a life you don't want to be in the gym for hours yeah. but like if you were trying to optimise everything and trying to get those top sets to be as good mm-hmm. as you can it's got to be at least five minutes okay. um, I think like stuff like your accessory stuff like um, you know your lap pull downs, your chin ups is like two to three minutes. Yeah. But when you're absolutely trying to prioritize like a performance outcome of a strength set, uh-huh. um, yeah. uh, five minutes minimum, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and like people, when they get forced to do a rest period, like 
like they might time I see people time it's like right I'm doing three minutes if you've got a problem and you less, you're waiting 10-15 minutes you should probably look to cut it down mm-hmm. but if you're only having three minutes and you're noticing that you're you're having to reduce the intensity mm-hmm. it might not matter that much in the actual set but like the long term outcome of having to drop your weight down of your training sets yeah. is going to lead to less muscle hypertrophy or yeah. less performance of your strength stuff which is probably the priority so I think just rest as needed for your training sets yeah. to keep your recovery high it's going to be individual for someone mm-hmm. unfit like myself it's going to be seven minutes for someone that's a little bit fitter <laughs> It might be three to five minutes, yeah. so it's just as needed, and also based off the amount that you're lifting. Yeah. Like you look at like the oxygen debt. The more that you're lifting, mm-hmm. the harder it's going to be to recover mm-hmm. from. Yeah, that's why I need so much time. Yeah, I'm just too strong. But I, I need <laughs> yeah, that that's much what time. it is. Yeah, it's that's not fine. to do with the lack of fitness. No, it's and, and the, it's the a... cocoa pops. It's the yeah. <laughs> And the jelly beans. It's, it's too much rest. So yeah, just rest as needed to keep your performance high. Yeah. Don't reduce your weight down because you're trying to keep to a certain set. Yeah. Um, rest as needed. Prioritize the training sets. Yeah. And that's our, our takeaways on recovery. Would you like to summarise? Uh, yeah. So we started off by talking about nutrition a little bit. Nutrition. So make sure you're getting your protein in. We talked about having at least 1.6 gram per kilogram per body weight. To maximise muscle protein synthesis, yes. 1.6 to 2.2 grams of protein for sure. Yes. Um, make sure you're having enough carbohydrates as well. Um, we spoke about three to five grams, but very individual. Depending okay. on your sport. Yep. Exactly. Um, make sure you're getting good quality fats in your diet as well. If you can, if you want to, supplement to with m- fish yeah. oil. Fish oils. ZMA yes. I was going to recommend is a good sleep in. Zinc and magnesium is a good one to help improve oh, your sleep yeah. as well. Yeah, um, as needed. Um, aiming for north of eight hours if you're a competitive athlete um, is massive for, again, muscle protein synthesis. kind of links with the nutrition for that one, as well as regulating your hormones and keeping yeah. your cortisol down, which are the big things you're looking for from your recovery. Yeah. Uh, and then with your training, it's, it's having periods of time where you're recovering after hard bouts of, of of competitions it's having deload weeks after hard weeks of training if you need them obviously not taking them if you're um if you don't need them or if you've had mm-hmm. times where you've not been to the gym as many times as you want to uh try and organize your week so you've got your priority days and then lighter days in between them and then in the session rest as needed yeah i think that's a good yeah, little uh, way to finish yeah that is thank you so much for having me Thank you for having me. <laughs> and yeah, we'll see you at the next one, guys. Any questions, let us know. We'll link the uh, research papers um, in the description. And until next one, thanks very much. See you soon. Bye.